0: Hello and welcome back to The Near Futurist, the podcast I've been running for almost five years now. We cover both the business and the consumer worlds, and as always, I'll welcome feedback and input on the LinkedIn page. Just search for Guy Clapperton and Near Futurist and you'll find it. Before I introduce this month's guest though, as always, here's a word from my sponsor. I say sponsor, what I mean is me plugging my media training operation. clients want to sound as confident clear and fluent in media interviews as the people in this podcast of course you do my team and i can help drop my assistant lindsay that's Lindsay at clapperton.co.uk a note and she'll set us a time for an initial chat or go to the website at clapperton.co.uk two p's to find out more now back to the podcast Okay, that's more than enough from me. You want to know about my guest. Social media has been in the news yet again with the recent, unless you're listening to this uh, as an archive episode and it's years from now, but the recent launch of threads prompted by our falling out of love with Twitter and the like. TikTok may be banned or that could all be blown over by the time you hear this. There's just no way of telling. My guest is aiming to fix a lot of that. She's faced challenges as a female founder and is passionate about people understanding their value to the social media giants. The former chief executive of data aggregation company Standard Media Index, she's now founder of social media platform We Are 8 and her name is Sue Fennessy. Sue, welcome.
1: Thank you, Guy. Brilliant to be here.
0: Okay, now, Sue, I saw the ads for We Are 8 um, a while ago uh, when it, uh, I assume it first launched. My initial reaction was... Oh, another social network. I mean, I'm somebody who's <laughs> made money writing books on social networks since night 2009. So if anybody should have been over the moon, it should be me. So why do we need another one?
1: I know. The, I, Gino, isn't it interesting that you react like that? Because the reality is, and I even found this with the, when the internet first came out, I was so hopeful about the, I felt really optimistic about the world. And similarly with social and look, in the early days, it was pretty fantastic. Facebook, you know, enabled friends all around the world to connect and enabled people to connect. But even though we've been connected, we've never been really inspired and empowered. And we are the product. I mean, I believe strongly that things become the biggest manifestation of their initial intention. I mean, Facebook, was built to rank, literally rank women in university. And it's be, the dark side of it, even though it connected us, has become the biggest manifestation of judgment. And so I, I think we forget that we're in still the first 15 years, 16 years of these platforms, and there can be an evolution that really serves society and serves people. And makes people feel really good and inspired and feel their values. So, look, the way I look at the world is those social platforms, their ad model is broken because they only deliver brands 0.4% engagement rate. And even worse, they don't share any of the, well, Facebook doesn't share any of the $120 billion it made in 2020 with people or publishers or the planet. And so the economic model is broken. And then we know now as fact, you know, that it's fueling the mental health crisis, it's fueling misinformation and the climate crisis. And those algorithms are evil. They're destroying the fabric of society. So we need social to serve people and, and unite us again. And our mission at eight is to unite just 1% of the human population to make positive impact every day.
0: That's quite a name, but uh, of course, we've had uh, an awful lot of uh, interesting press coming out of uh, Twitter just lately since that nice Mr. Musk bought it. (laughs) Um, And uh, of course, you know, that nice Mr. Zuckerberg has now launched uh, threads uh, through his Meta company. Um, Again, that's supposed to be a kinder version of Twitter. Well, that's not supposed to be. It's what it's starting to look like. And at this stage, as we record, it's only a week old. So, of course, it could go uh, in all sorts of directions by the time this episode is released in September. But I'm just wondering um, whether uh, Meta has perhaps stolen your thunder a little bit by releasing threads.
1: Do you know what? I think the DNA of these platforms can't change. For a start, they're not sharing 60% of their revenue with the people. I look at threads and, firstly, you know, they've taken all our Instagram data, put our profiles on a new platform without permission and what we're seeing is the same Instagram behavior. I mean, Instagram's fantastic because people are posting pictures of themselves and of things they love, and it's about looking beautiful. What Twitter is, its they've really owned conversation. It's become really toxic, but they've owned conversation. And threads, Threads really wanted to, they've really just mirrored Twitter but they've actually married Instagram in the process. When we launch groups, our whole goal with that, and you'll see that maybe come out by the by the time this episode is out, it really will be the home of healthy, honest, brave conversation led by some of the most amazing people and publishers on the planet. Um, but we're desperate as humanity. For a, a real social home and a real and really honest conversation. I mean, you look at the division in the world, and we're at a bad place. And I look at threads, and people are just posting photos of themselves still, and throwing out very—it's not conversation. It's just people. Com- it's basically Instagram on a in a different format, visual format. So they haven't stolen our thunder and our whole positioning. You can still dance on TikTok, tweet on Twitter, but change the world on aid. And people are here for a very different reason.
0: That's a noble aim, of course. Starting a social network sounds almost easy. Um, I'm sure it's not. (laughs) Tell tell us about the complexities. Tell me how you had the idea and uh, what made you start up and the mechanics of it.
1: What I found really fascinating, Guy, was that even the governments couldn't hold the social platforms accountable right and we've got you know we've got glo- we've got country governments and yet we have tech leaders that control what we see how we feel and really control everyone on the planet's data and that deeply troubled me seeing that early and i built a company before this that tracked ad spend all around the world and you could see from 2008, when Facebook launched their ad model, you could see them starting from nothing to 2020, where they took 120 billion dollars in ad revenue. And yet, you looked at that model and thought it's actually quite broken. Digital advertising has never been re- reinvented, and all the other things were distressing me. And as, as a woman, as a mum, as a as a as just a human. <laughs> If we're going to create the world that we live in, then we need a better social home. So our first step was to reimagine digital. And we we put together a team of 12 behavioural scientists to actually look at whether it was possible for human beings to want to watch an ad and give their attention and leave it to an ad for two minutes a day. As it turns out, people are happy to do that for 10 minutes a day. Um, but leave them feeling really loved, valued and rewarded. Because what we realised, if we could build a better ad model, then wherever it existed across digital, if we could build a better digital ad model, where people were consciously wanting to opt in and watch ads for a couple of minutes a day, um, then we could redirect billions of dollars back to them. And so our model is where 60% of every dollar that comes through the We Are Eight system is shared. So we share 50% of every dollar with people, 5% with uh, creators and publishers, and 5% to the planet and a charity of the brand's choice. And, And people then, when they get paid micropayments for any ad that they watch, they can pay it forward to charities. Uh, or they can pay into their PayPal, they can pay off their mobile bill, they can pay their Spotify. So it becomes because people are really tired of paying for subscriptions. And so this whole reimagining the digital ad model, the delivery of a digital ad really has never been. TV ads worked. I mean, TV ads were a perfect format, but the ad delivery model was never reinvented for so for digital or social, so we reimagined that first, and then around that, we've wrapped reimagined social media with zero tolerance of hate. So we've integrated all sorts of recognition technologies where you can't be anonymous on hate. So you know it's it's and PwC audit the process, so it's actually making sure that everyone is has to own their own voice. And so we've addressed big challenges in both social and the ad model to trans to transform it. It really is the next evolution. I mean, we forget that those platforms are so young still.
0: So we come to Gadget of the Month. This is a slot in which I look at, oh, who cares? It's obvious what it's about. It's called Gadget of the Month. In a recent episode, I checked out the Remarkable 2 note-taking device, but suggested the Amazon Kindle Scribe might be an even better bet. Well, I've had a look, and it is, and it isn't. I bet that helps. It's essentially an oversized Kindle with a pen. You can add post-it notes to Kindle books and go straight to note-taking mode, starting notebooks and documents and writing whatever you want, drawing whatever you want. The pen can be adjusted to write like a fountain pen, biro or pencil. It responds to pressure, so you can do shading from an on-screen menu. And you can then take handwritten notes and send them to yourself as a PDF. So far, so excellent. It really works very efficiently and well thing is, what you can't do is continue taking notes across different devices because there isn't an app yet that does that. They may be working on it, I have no idea. You might not care, just take a note, email it to your Evernote or OneNote account and you've got it permanently. That's great. But thanks to the Remarkable 2 app, even if I have a handwritten note imported to the desktop or any other device, I can click and type a note onto it and extend it, whether I'm on a desktop or the phone or whatever I'm doing, in case I've thought of something and forgotten something. In other words, have a think about what you need to do with them before buying. These are both great devices. They really are. They're slim, and it feels as if you're writing paper on both of them. However, if you want extensive note-taking and the ability just to read some PDFs and maybe make notes on them, then go for the Remarkable. If, however, you want a really good and large format ebook reader and take occasional notes that you won't want to edit later or draw pictures or whatever else you'd otherwise do with a the pen, then you're probably looking at the Kindle Scribe. One thing though, if you get the cover that's formatted as a flap that folds over the scribe and sort of folds, Be careful. I was holding it by the bottom and carelessly flipped the cover over so that the pen, which is magnetized, but also has a loop to hold it to the bottom of the cover for safety, walloped the base of my thumbnail at speed. It hurt like a hurty thing. My fault entirely, but do take care. Now, back to the podcast. And, of course, you're uh, talking about having a We Are 8 as a hate-free community. That's actually in some of your marketing material. Uh, and uh, that's coming through loud and clear from what you're saying. But as a social network grows, how can you continue to police it and keep the haters out? I mean, I, how many users have you got currently and how many are you aiming for in the next five years or so?
1: We're just under a million now. We don't call people users. We call them citizens because we recognise someone's unique capability to change the world. And, and actually... It's only through bringing together people and mobilizing people in a united way that's that I believe we can address the biggest challenges in the world today. In the next 5 years our initial mission is to get to 80 million. So we have some partnerships with big media companies and investments from big media companies Channel 4, BBC Studios, Warner Brothers Discovery, In the us and a number of others to help us bring scale and get to that 80 million number as quickly as possible i mean if you can imagine a world guy when you're watching cnn and it's saying follow cnn on we are eight and donate 10 cents to the syrian refugee crisis imagine when we're mobilizing 100 million people and they're watching an ad for thirty seconds and donating, donating 20, second, twenty cents to the Syrian refugee crisis. In literally a minute, you've raised twenty million dollars, and none of that money is coming out of people's pockets. So it's it's. I look at big systemic problems and think, how do we get more money to people? We're in an economic crisis. How do we get more money to people? How do we get brands to redirect their money back to people and causes and the planet and without them sacrificing anything? And and so what's great about this for the corporations and every advertiser, they're getting better results on eight. They're getting the attention of the people they want to reach in a sustainable way, but it's actually pumping billions of dollars Back to people, and and that's when it gets really exciting. It's just redirecting the wealth in a much healthier, fairer way.
0: It sounds great, and uh, my view is that it's it's laudable. Um, but uh, you mentioned refugees; uh, there are already you'd already find that you've got uh, one side of uh, the, the, that debate saying we shouldn't be helping them, they shouldn't be coming over here, etc. The other side saying, of course we should be helping these people they're desperate. So mm. it's it, it almost sort of you know without if you're going to say we're anti-hate, then you have to start taking sides to an extent, don't you? I mean if you, if Nigel Farage were to join the network, some people would define him as a hater. some people would say no, you're hating him. Uh, so h- how do you actually stand on yeah. those issues?
1: I think what's really interesting, and history's proven that this, but when there's not enough, when no one can see a solution, the the war starts, and everyone is just throwing rocks. And look, I don't know Nigel Farage, but I do believe that everyone should have a voice on eight if they want that and they we we inspire them to show up as the best version of themselves i'm actually interested to see how he would show up here but this is the place for collaborative discussion i mean in a world that remembering these social platforms purposely fuel hate through their algorithms so they want the fight they want the division because that keeps people really engaged and really distressed, really isolated, but really engaged. And when they're engaged on the feed, they're scrolling more, four to six hours a day, and they're watching more ads. They're able to be fed more ads. So our whole, our entire philosophy is different in that we need more, we need people to come together. I mean, I grew up, I don't know about you, Guy, but my father, we would sit around the dinner table and let me tell you, we had some pretty... Diverse and divergent opinions about stuff, but we would sit at the dinner table and we would talk and we would listen. And what we don't, when we say no hate, there's a really clear line, interestingly. I mean, people start name calling and hurling abuse when, and a lot of that's in echo chambers on social, actually. We need to come together again. And so we're calling it the eight table, actually, but we're bringing, uh, it's, it's going to be a fascinating election year next year, election in the United States who aren't united, more divided than ever, election in the United Kingdom. We're not the United Kingdom, we're divided. So the idea that you can bring four people from the left, four people from the right to show how you can have healthy conversation again, that's really exciting. To me, when you get people like Rio Ferdinand, who's one of our big ambassadors, partners, investors, saying, I actually want to talk to um, all the team at Pink News and help be a bridge to understanding, we need to meet in the middle. We need to start listening. We need to start coming together. And that's why our groups feature really will be the home of honest, healthy conversation God knows we we need it, and the division is because the government doesn't have enough money. The economic models are broken, and we want to pump ec- we want to pump money back into the economy through the brands. We want to unite around climate issues to take collective action. Because, and where you, when you said where do you want to be in five years, I really see a world where a billion people are taking small actions every day. And they might still be on Twitter and Instagram, but they will be on We Are Eight because this is where we create collective change. And I, we've just got to come together again and be shown how it's done. There's nowhere setting that example.
0: That's a very good point to ask uh, the last question, which is where people can find out more.
1: Thanks, guys. So download We Are Eight, the app, the app store's, Um, or google play store and or weare8.com on the website but this is where we we can truly change the world and we need it more than ever before
0: sue fantasy chief executive of we are eight thank you very much for being my guest thanks guy and thank you for listening this has been the near futurist a clapperton media production and i've been guy clapperton see you in a month